Good morning, Chair City Church. How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. For those of you who don't know, I'm Dave. I'm the pastor here at Chair City Church. What a wonderful thing to do with my life. Get to be a part of this great group of Christ followers and to, to change our community for the glory of God. Yes? So I want to welcome all of you to week three of our current teaching series, Fear. Huh? So what are you afraid of? Because we all tend to be afraid of something. How about arachnophobia? Yeah, I'm telling you, I said it right. I did. Yeah, it's a fear. It's a, pho- it's a phobia. It's the fear of getting peanut butter stuck to the top of, the, of your mouth. <laughs> so there are people out there, like, you know, you, you're walking like kind of fridge and you see the peanut Whoa, peanut butter section, right, you know? How, how about hippopotamonstrosis crippiadaliophobia? Daliophobia. Yeah. You know what that is? It's the fear of long words. Wow, some wacko, cruel, I think how cruel this is. This is what you have, sir. <laughs> Talk about burying somebody emotionally, right? How about I'm out of luck phobia? I'm out of luck phobia. This is when you fear your daughter or your son is going to marry a French Canadian from Winchenden. <laughs> That's what you get for giving me a hard time with your Red Sox, okay? But congratulations on your Red Sox going to the World Series, okay? I, I didn't say that. I, I, the two services are very, very close. I didn't say that in the first one, and people gave me a hard time about it. So, okay, they, they were right. So we're all, and the thing is, we're okay about with these external fears. Each week we've been saying this. We can laugh about it, talk about it, planes, water, trains, dogs, cats, with these fears and phobias. But what we're not uncomfortable sometimes talking about. Maybe what we're not aware of are these deep fears that sit and reside within us, you know? These fears that really do disrupt our life. And like I said, we might not be aware that they even exist. Today we're going to talk about the fear of rejection. Now, it's a fear that I do think many of us face to different degrees. I do know this, and I'm confident that this is the one fear that is most painful. That causes so much pain. I didn't say it causes so more problems or disruptions or damage in people's life. No. I'm saying it causes so much pain. And you know, scientific research, especially the last several years, and I think I had mentioned to you before, I've, I've done a, a case study on this and I've done a presentation on this, how, you know, how, the, how rejection causes physical pain to us. And then they've researched it. They've taken people and they've put electrodes on their heads and they've clamped their hands and tied them down and and poked them and prodded them and caused physical pain and watched their brains pulsate on scans. And then they showed them pictures of like maybe an ex-girlfriend or boyfriend that broke up with them, you know? (laughs) And and, and (laughs) Or, or they put them in a scenario where they were playing a game with somebody and then they were excluded, you know, by the two other people. It was planned and they're watching their brains pulsate, you know? The, The pain of being rejected. So there's this constant battle in us, huh? of acceptance and rejection. The way we dress, the way we dress our kids, the the way we decorate our homes, the cars we buy, you know, all of this maybe to gain an inch or a foot on being accepted and approved by other people. We want their approval, but perhaps even more, we fear their rejection. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 25 says, fear people or fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means Safety. 
We are safe with God. When we trust in God, we are safe with him. We have refuge with God. Acceptance and rejection, they have a significant influence on us. They cause us to kind of compromise, to negotiate, maybe to give up on things that matter so much to us, our morals, our values, our bodies, our futures. We, we allow somewhat, maybe knowingly, unknowingly, people to come into our lives and overwhelm us, disrupt our fears, I mean, disrupt our beliefs, our dreams, and we're just attached to this. We, we want their approval. We're afraid of being rejected. Many of you, you again, you deal with this from, from yay high, and it's just kind of dogged you and attached itself to you through your life and coming to your relationships. And you suffer from not having this. Some of you suffer from it from your parents. Now, whether to the degree that's accurate, you know, I'm not, I don't know. Sometimes it's just how we perceive and internalize things. I, I, I've told you often, from time to time, recently more than usual, about my, you know, being born to a teenage mom and having a dad that, that suffered, a young, young dad, that before I think he left his teenage years, he died tragically. And, um, you know, but, and you would think that's painful, and, and I'm sure it was, but it wasn't the most painful thing in my life, actually. What was so painful to me, what caused so much disruption, was that my mom, you know, she had two more children with another man. He suffered also from drugs and wound up abandoning. Uh, and really, I knew him, I wound up abandoning our family. And that was my, my brother and my sister. Then she met another man. He stayed, hung around. Um, she wound up uh, marrying him quickly. Uh, he, uh, she had children with him, and he adopted me. And he's my dad today, and I thank God for him. Uh, yeah, I do. So here's what happened. I, I started, I was about eight years old when all this was going down, you know. And I started watching my, this man, who I really was giving a terrible time, who now came into my life with his mom, they had a baby, and the way they interacted and treated that baby, the way the conditions, what was happening with them and that baby, it really disturbed me, you know? I, I struggled with it, and, and, and I just began to perceive, you know, that they loved that child more than they loved me. And, and, and you know, I wasn't old enough to understand that every child's born into a different family. So when a girl is 14 years old and she has a baby and she's 23 or 24, you know, and, and she has a baby and she has a baby with a, a drug addict at 15 versus a, you know, fairly stable guy. He had some growing to do, <laughs> but, but he was uh, pretty decent. You know, it's just different, right? But all I knew is, wow, it, it's not the same for me, Okay. And, uh, and, and it caused me, I was a great contributor to being a very, very significantly emotionally difficult child, and, and I was very misbehaving. So what do you think that did? It made it better, made it worse. And so and all I kept thinking through every correction, every, you know, was they don't love, I'm rejected. They don't love me as much as they love their other children. And so it really, you know, settled in me, and it caused me to live the better part of my life, not knowingly with this rejection and when you and when you've been rejected you then have a fear of being rejected and a lot of how you see life and how you interact with people and see things perhaps more than you realize is this fear of being rejected because it's so painful and you're so kind you're almost in a place of hyper vigilance you know on God to make sure no one's going to hurt you in that way. Sometimes really taking good things and good relationships and good situations and making them bad because you perceive uh-oh you sense that they're going to reject me or this is not going to work out or I'm going to be disapproved or I'm not going to be approved of. 
So I went on there a bit, but, and, and again, I thank God for my mom. I got to thank God for my dad. You know, amazing that they hung in there, kept it all together. I don't think I could have did what they did. <laughs> you know, it's, at 23 years old, I was off the wall. But, you know, you, some of you have been rejected, and you put up walls around you. I was more of the lashing out guy, you know. But you put up walls around you, and you, 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 uh, your heart gets clouded. Your heart gets hardened. You struggle with caring and connecting to others, you know. And, and, and some of you, it, it's, it's so hard to deal with it. The way you do manage this is by kind of indulging in different substances, and, you, know, uh, you know, opioids, beer, weed, whatever it might be. And you might not realize, man, this, you know, this is kind of what's the contributor here. This is what's dogging me. This is the, 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 the trigger here. I feel the pain of being rejected or I feel the pain of not being accepted, which translates to being rejected. And I just, it's just too much for me to handle. Huh? So you isolate yourself. You try and ignore the problems. You, you might even blame other people, right? And it's all coming from this place of not being accepted slash being rejected. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 14 says this, Blessed is the one who trembles before God, but whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. Wow. The solution is not to build a wall emotionally. The solution is not to harden your hearts today. So how do you deal with the fear of rejection? I want to toss out a couple of solutions today. First, say no to pleasing people. I do. I think this is a, it's kind of an overflow. It's, it, it comes from the fear of rejection. You have this sense to, to have people's approval, meaning you're, you're, you're so afraid of being rejected. You're so kind of fearful intuitively from that pain that you just want people to approve you, which, you know, is sort of better than I, I would be the, I would lash out. I'd get angry. I'd sense non-approval. I'd sense rejection. I'd start stoking it up. I'd get ready to pounce. And by the way, I, I, I suffered from this pleasing people thing too, just the other thing was more for me. But I think many of us suffer from, you know, we want to please people, huh? In the Old Testament, there was a man named Saul, and he had this great weakness. I would say I'd propose to you, and that he had this fear of being rejected. He wanted to be admired and liked and approved of by those around him. You know, he's always wondering, what do the people think? Are they going to like me? Am I going to be really popular amongst them? At one point, because of these, this fear of rejection, he turns around and he disobeys God in a, in a blatant way. And the prophet Samuel confronts him. And this is what Saul said in 1 Samuel in response to his behavior, his transgression to God. Says in first, Saul says in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 24, it says, Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have violated the Lord's command and your instructions. Why did he do that? What brought him to this place? And, he go, and, and Saul says this, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. I, I, I forfeited all that God had for me. All that God had to give me became so minimal. And what became so great to me was my desire and approval for, these, for the approval of the people or my fear of them rejecting me. I feared their rejection more than I feared God, meaning more than I was in awe of God and his provision. 
How often do we do that? How often are you afraid of what people are going to think of you? You know, you got the holidays coming up, you know, Thanksgiving, you're going over people's home. You're walking calm, collected. Hey, it's just it's a great day, man, you know. It's good to see, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm here. I'm here with somebody I love. Uh, I've got another, you know, day to live. Uh, yeah, there's something good to focus on. Or you're walking in like just really intuitively unsettled about what people are going to think of you. Because that's how I used to live. That's why I eventually went to ho- When I met Christy, I would stay alone on the holidays. Christmas, Thanksgiving, I, I would be with nobody. You know, you're so wound up because you are already, you are poised, thinking they're not going to approve of me. They're going to find something wrong with me. Hence, I'm being rejected for who I am. And you, this can spill over. Some of you, again, will isolate, but some of you now want to beat this, and so you're going to become an approval addict. You're going to make sure you please them so they will accept you and they will like you. And, and the thing with approval addicts is that they have this tendency, from what I've seen, not to like to confront things, not to want to deal with things, you know? They'll try and find a way to ignore that they're happening, and this can be really difficult in your relationships. Huh? So it all goes on one person, and, 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 and you, the thing is, it doesn't go away, right, you know? So you find ways to distract yourself, kind of like what I was saying, with the drugs or the weed or the drinking or the opiates, or, or it might be something to do with work. You find ways to distract yourself from what's going on that's bringing in conflict rather than deal with it in a God-honoring way, because you've got a mind and you've got a heart, and you do really, you have compassion and you want it to be better, but you're just thinking, you know what, I, I just can't deal with this conflict because it, it's going to bring me to a place of exposing myself. I'm going to be vulnerable. And I don't want to be seen as not good enough. I don't want to be rejected. You have to stop leading your life to please people and to gain their approval. Stop living in fear of rejection. It's hurting you and it's hurting the people you love. Isaiah chapter 51, 12, God says this. He says, I, yes, am the one. I'm the one who comforts you. More than, more than anyone else in this world, God, your Father, who created you, can comfort you like nothing and no one else. Oh, I so promise you that. He says, so why are you afraid of mere humans? Men, they're just like you. They bleed and they breathe, huh? And they just, who wither like grass and disappear, meaning it's temporary. And it is temporary, isn't it? The way they feel about you today might change by the end of the day, right? You know? They, they, you know, the, 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 their opinion or, or their insight, it could be inaccurate. And, and, and a week from now, it could change, huh? But you're trying, to, you're trying to get it to change by just pleasing them and, and just manipulating the situation. And God is saying, no, no. I'm your comfort, not their opinion, not their view. That is, that is a black hole, man. You will not satisfy them. Let me be your comfort, your Father in heaven, your creator. You want to make that decision today. You want to make that decision every single day when you get up out of bed today. I am not going to be a people pleaser. Huh? I'm going to be kind to people. I'm going to love them, be patient with them, but I am not going to be a people pleaser. That is not where I'm going to gain my comfort from. I will not fear rejection. So how do we deal with this fear of rejection? First, say no to pleasing people. And second, we say yes to pleasing God. He is so worthy. We say yes to pleasing God. We want to Bring God pleasure. We want to worship him every day. We want to live for an audience of what? One. 
Just one audience. Thanksgiving, you're going over some relative's house. Maybe you've had a bad year. Maybe people seemingly have a great year. They've posted it on, on Facebook. Take it from me, a pastor. It's just so not true most of the time when you're reading on Facebook. Oh, my, that's why I told you I don't even read it anymore. I'm like, come on, you got to be kidding me. We were just on the phone yesterday, <laughs> you know. <laughs> hey, look, we struggle. Good moments, bad moments, but we, we, we do. We, we don't want people to know we struggle. We, we, we want their approval. We want their acceptance, you know? I did. I had to give up on that a while ago. I tell you, when I started the church, I, I, I started going down that road, and I had to get out of there within months because the way I passed, I'm very hands-on, and, and all of a sudden, I started going down that road of wanting to, you know, please people more than God, and, whoa, it wasn't good. It wasn't good for me. It wasn't good for my family. Please, God, listen to what Jesus says in John chapter 5, verse 30. I could do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Jesus himself was focused not on pleasing people, but from obeying his Father in heaven. And that's where you want to be. That's where I want to be as a pastor. I want, to, I want to be looking to please God and love God, and then as a result of that, that you would be pleased and you would be glad. That's awesome. I want to be serving God and loving God, and as a result of that, you know, you're served well, and, and you think well of me. That's fantastic. I want you to think well of me. I really do. I dig that. I love getting, as I said, I love getting cards from you. I, I love getting uh, affirmative texts and encouraging texts from you. I, I do. It lights me up like a Christmas tree, man. And not because, you know, of the past way, because I need it. Because before, you could t- I could get literally, when Christy first met me, I, you know, I moved up in ministry quickly. I could get up there and, 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 and say something and preach or do something well, and I would get like 30, 40 people coming up to me and saying affirmative, positive things, one negative comment from someone, and it would rattle me. That's what I would talk about in the car, that one negative comment. And Christy would be like, but Dave, I mean, what, you know, and that's where I was, you know, the, the pain and the fear of rejection. But I don't live that way anymore. And neither do you have to live that way anymore. Today's a different day. Today you can be free. Today you can be delivered from this fear of being rejected. Be free for the one who created you. Be free the one who's, for the one who's called you to greater things. Be free today. So when I was in elementary school, and uh, I made it to elementary school, by the way. And, uh, you know, there were certain teachers that would give kids, like, you know, a, a particular task that would make a child kind of feel special and privileged, you know, kind of important, right? It might have been like a junior fire marshal, never got picked for that. Uh, might have been like a hall monitor, you know, somebody who watches kids are going, in, you know, everybody's going in the right place in between the transition to classes. Not, not me neither. Uh, and then there was the, um, the traffic person with the, uh, the sash, with the badge on it, wrapped around your waist and that. I was impressed with the uniform, but I never got picked for that either. There was something I did get picked for, and that was if the teacher wanted to send a message or some paperwork or something down to the main office, you know, principal, vice principal, administration. And at times, the teacher would let me do that. Looking back, I think there was kind of questionable motivation. I think, one, the teacher just wanted me to get, get me out of her class, right? And two, knowing that, giving me the right to wander in the halls that I was likely going to get in more trouble and therefore I'd be out of a class for an extended period of time. But listen, yeah, I wasn't the teacher's pet. I was the teacher's pest. Oh, I was so disruptive. <laughs> listen, 
Now, in order to carry out the teacher's request, in order to carry out the teacher's mission, the teacher would give me something called a hall pass. Do you remember them? And, and this basically, you know, was like the teacher's kind of signature of approval that I could now wander in the hall. Because you weren't, you weren't allowed in the halls. And, and back then in my day, it didn't matter if you had to go to the bathroom, you stayed in the class. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. It's just that's how it was for the most part. And so no one was in the hall when class was in, certainly no kids. But now, if you had a hall pass, that was the stamp of approval that a teacher has let you go in that hall. I thought it was crazy cool, right, you know? I mean, so I, I would walk by, you know, as I'm walking down the hall, there'd be like an open classroom door, and I'd walk really slow, you know? Make sure kids could see me, catch some eyes, you know? Especially the kids with the dresses on, right? Woo, you know, you know? I mean, uh, hall pass, hall pass, you know? <laughs> right? And it was good, you know? I was like, hey, this power right here, baby, huh? you know? I can be in the hall. You can. I just, you're in there. I'm out here. You know? I'm somebody. You're not. But then, really, better than that, and, and I, I tell you, this just, just jazzed me. This, this just was, this floated my boat. Was, um, again, I, I, was a, I was a troubled child. I had a reputation in the school for being uh, really terrible with my conduct. And so, you know, I'd be walking in the halls, and there'd be a teacher that would see me, and some teachers have different personality versus others. Some are more nurturing, some are a little bit more hard, and some one of those kind of harder teachers would see me, and they would just make a beeline to me, and I would, and they would just get up on me, and, and you know, like, Chulango, what are you doing in the hallway right now? And they'd start getting with me. If I was in my mojo, I would just kind of like ignore them a little bit, and I would just amp it up, and they would really start yelling at me, and I'd turn around, and whoo! <laughs> I'd be like, hope pass! Hall pass, yeah, yeah, you can't do anything. I got a hall pass, right? <laughs> Slow it down right now, all revved up and nowhere to go. I got a hall pass. I'm free. See you later. <laughs> and really, it was one of my most fondest memories of elementary school was, was those moments. <laughs> so, look, listen to me. As we move towards closing, you have a hall pass this morning. You so truly do. You have something that brings you to a place of freedom, huh? That brings you to a place of carrying out God's call on your life. That brings you to a place of truly seeing God's purpose for you, to love one another, to love children. Where does your love of these children come from? What, to, uh, and I'm not distant scientists, and I love to learn, but come on, where did it come from? Molecules, atoms, cells coming together. It came from the Spirit of God that He breathed in you to love others and to love those children, right? And that same God has called you. He's chosen you for a greater purpose. I want you to fill your head up with that truth, that I am here to please the one who sent me. I'm not here to please others. First and foremost, I please them. Yes, I act kindly and generously and lovingly to those God has placed in my life. And from obeying God, I love them. But I, God is my one audience, my first and foremost audience. I have a permission from God to live a good life. I have permission from God to have intimate and close relationships. I have permission from God to be happy. And I am even commanded by God to have peace and joy. And I will not fear rejection because my God does not reject me. He loves me and he accepts me because he's created me. It doesn't matter if you accept me or reject me. It doesn't matter if anybody accepts you or rejects you. You have a whole pass, and that whole pass is the word of God. It's the truth of God. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 28 through 31 says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. God knew you. God was there when this was going on, when that was mucking up. When we, and here you are today, and God is calling out to you. I knew you. I'm bringing it all together that you would be redeemed and that you would be closer to me than you ever could have imagined. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son and so that his son would be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. And having chosen him, he called them to come to him. God is calling you this morning. He's drawing you closer to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Because of what Jesus did right now in this moment, you can be right with God. You think, you know, I'd walk into a church. I wouldn't walk into a church. I'd be very uncomfortable. I'm not right. I'm no good. No, because of what Jesus did right now, you are in, as you believe in Jesus, as you hold on to Christ, as you right now feel God stirring you and you're contemplating being closer to God, making God more important in your life, considering a relationship with God, you are coming into a place of right standing with God because God, Holy Spirit, is doing that in you. He's drawing you close. And all of this is made possible by Jesus Christ giving his life on the cross to shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And so what does Paul say in verse 31? It says, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? Before, because if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for you, and God is for you. Come on. God is for you. He doesn't reject you. He loves you. He accepts you as his creation. He delights in you. And if God is for you, then who can be against you? Then what does it matter who rejects you? What does it matter in comparison to God's love for you? Sure, you give it consideration. Sure, it stings. Again, the way we're made up physiologically, it's going to hurt us. But in light of God, let's glance at that hurt of rejection. Let's glance at people not approving of us and not accepting us. And let's gaze at a loving God who's called us to be right with him and who is for us. So, I want to just close out with uh, some words from Lloyd Ogilvie. And I want these words to really kind of settle in, as all the scripture and everything we said, but just consider this. This is what he said. He wrote it. Secure in God's love, I will not surrender my self-worth to the opinions and the judgments of others. When I am rejected, I will not retaliate. I'm not going to isolate. I'm not going to self-medicate. I'm not going to lash out. When I am hurt, I will allow God's love to heal me. When those thoughts are being rejected and disapproved of the past, come on me or even the present, I will pause, I will collect myself, I will cry out to God, I will worship him. He is my one audience and I, and he will heal me. He will fill my mind with good thoughts and whole thoughts and trustworthy thoughts, not these lying and deceptive and exaggerated and distorted thinking. When I'm hurt, I will allow God's love to heal me. And knowing the pain of rejection, I will seek to love those who suffer from its anguish. I hope I've served you well today. 
I have felt the pain of rejection so deeply. And maybe it's in God's crazy economy. Today I have so many people who love me, who affirm me, who care for me, starting with this incredible woman behind me and my children and you. And I thank God that you treat me so well and that you affirm your pastor and you care for me so well. And it is my hope that I will continually help all of you and all those who suffer from rejection. Look at that line again, secure in God's love. I will not surrender my self-worth to the opinions and judgments of others. Right now, today, you stop doing that and you turn to God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And if you're in here today and you've been moved and you've been stirred, like, wow, you know, this is right for me. I sense there's something good going on. I tell you, that's God, Holy Spirit, working in you. Apart from him, why would you even be thinking that way, huh? And what you want to do is, Christy talked about a connection card. It's just something we do publicly to really get it out of us, you know, to, to put form to what's going on inside of us. You want to take that card, it says, my next steps, and look a little bit down. It says, today I am starting a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm starting to renew my relationship with Jesus, meaning today I'm going to please God. I'm going to bring pleasure to God that, that me, the creation that he delights in, is turning to him and wants to love him and have a relationship with him because certainly he wants to have a relationship with me because he gave his son Jesus to die for my sins. And I believe that. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe even though I was wrong and disobedient to God and going in the wrong way, Jesus made a way that I could be right and stand before God right now and rejoice in this moment. I belong to him. If that's you, check one of those boxes off. That applies. And bring that card to the guest services table. They're going to give you a package. It's got a Bible. It's got other good stuff in it. You are not alone. So many people, including some of the people that were up here, maybe all of them actually, have come to know Jesus at Cheers City Church. We thank God for what he's doing. Huh? Your pastor will be praying for you today that even as you leave here in the car, husband, wife, friend, you will be praying and leaning on each other saying, you know what? We are going to beat the fear of rejection. We are going to encourage one another. We are going to trust in God. It was a greater way. To God be the glory.